we're starting a new series, and we titled it Liar, Liar. Turn to the person next to you and say, Liar, Liar. Oh, you got in trouble. Now you're in the doghouse. Try it again. Say, Liar, Liar. <laughs> and so uh, as we jump into this, uh, this series, and we're going to do it for a couple weeks here, um, I, let me tell you the storyline of kind of why this is so happening in, in my heart and mind and why we, the pastors, decided to minister on this. A couple years ago, I was preaching in Kentucky. I was doing a, a leadership in a pastor's conference, and I do those pretty regularly. And, and I was teaching on integrity and character and things like that. And afterwards, the, the, the church that was hosting this conference, the pastor came up to me, and he's a little bit more mature man in the faith than I am, and, uh, which doesn't take a whole lot, I guess. But anyway, so he's a little older, let's say it like that. And, so, and afterwards, he came up to me, he said, he said, man, this is so powerful what you're teaching. He's, and, and so we started interacting, and I said, so tell me what God's been doing with you. And he goes, man, you're not going to believe what happened to us over the last couple of years. I said, what? He said, well, it started, we were in the middle of a service, and, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, just, just a normal service, we were worshiping, we are singing some hymns and stuff, and he said, and they basically bring this lady to me, and she's really having some issues. And so we start praying for her, and she starts falling kind of down on the ground. And uh, eyes roll in the back of her head, and he said, you know, it wasn't a seizure. It literally was something evil controlling. And so we prayed, and we saw freedom for her, and she was so excited. And he, and he goes, and, and then what happened was then people started coming up to the church because they couldn't keep their marriages together. And, and as we got to interacting with them, and we saw the power of the enemy destroying them, he said, and before we knew it, Around our entire state, and this, this was a small town in Kentucky, and uh, a, rural, a rural town. It's probably 10,000, 15,000 people in this town. And his church is a good-sized church, especially for being, you know, kind of out in the country, if you will. And, uh, but they just started coming from all around because they heard that he and their pastors knew how to get people free and how to get things changed and how to get things broken. And so as he's talking about it, I don't know about you, but I've been in, in, in a, I would consider myself very experienced in dealing with, um, you know, evil and what the devil tries to do in our lives and so forth and so on. And, and I've seen some really goofy stuff. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and so I was just wanting to hear what he wanted to say. I, I don't want to find out, are you the guy who pushes everybody down and stands over him? In the name of Jesus, blah, 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 blah. You know, I wanted to know what you were. And he started telling me, he said, as we first jumped into it, he said, I realized something in the middle of it, and God began to reveal some truth to me, that most of the problems that these people were having couldn't keep their marriages together, having night terrors throughout the night, sickness and disease that were controlling them and, and, and literally killing them. He said most of them had believed a lie. And he told a story, and, and it's a little graphic, so uh, you know if you're a little younger, turn your ears off, but he told a story about one lady who was really struggling. She could not stay faithful in marriage, and she had bounced from one adulterous affair to another. And as he got to talking to her, uh, why are you doing that? What do you feel like is happening there? She said, I, I love God. I'm trying not to do this, but it just keeps happening, happening, happening. He said, and then all of a sudden, it came out. The lie that she had believed came out. She said, God made me to do this anyway because I'm a bad person. And he said, what are you talking about? And she relayed to him a story that when she was a child that her stepdad raped her and that her mom stood there as it was happening saying, you're trying to steal my husband away from me just as a child, a nine-year-old. He said, in that moment, I realized that that lie was spoken over her and she believed it and now it had controlled her all the way to this stage in life. And he said, and so I went about trying to remove the lie and speak the truth of what the Word of God says. And he said, and I began to tell her, that's a lie. That's a lie. 
You were a victim. You didn't do anything wrong there. You didn't have this motive as a, as a kid to, to steal your mom's husband away. And he started unraveling the lie and started speaking the truth. And not only that, but you're God's daughter. You are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And no weapon formed against you can prosper. He started teaching her the truth of what God says. And in the midst of that, he said, freedom came to her. And that moment, all of it broke off of her. And she became the woman of God that she had always dreamed of being. All because the enemy had a foothold because of a lie that she believed. So with that being said, that marked me. And I told that pastor, I said, that's legit. I was like, that's real. I was like, we all got some lies that we hold on to that are keeping us sick, keeping us fearful, keeping us full of anxiety and worry. We all have believed some things that we shouldn't believe. He goes, I know. And he goes, I can't tell you. Hundreds. He said, I would show up on a Tuesday morning just to go to work. There'd be people sitting in the parking lot. We heard uh, Wednesday. He said, every day of the week. He said, it went on for two years. He said, thousands of people got free as they got the understanding of truth and the lies were removed that the enemy had put in their life. And so, friend, I, I felt very compelled in interaction with this pastor. And his name is Pastor Tom Hall. I said, Pastor, you've got to put a book together. He goes, well, actually, I've been working towards that. And about f- four or five months ago, he called me and said, my book's ready. And I said, that's awesome. And he said, he said, would you read it before it goes to print and just see if there's anything in it? And I did. I loved it. It was awesome. And actually, this whole series, I'm stealing from him. His name of his book <laughs> Is liar, liar. In fact, if this ministers to you this next couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to go get his book. It's on Amazon. His name is Pastor Tom Hall. And a lot of what I'm going to be sharing, I've actually, you know, been challenged by him and encouraged me. And so as we jump into the word today, we want to start with our key scripture. Our key scripture is John chapter 8 and verse 32. You can go ahead and turn on your Bibles. John chapter 8 and verse 32. And it says it like this. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. See, truth doesn't set you free. Knowing the truth sets you free. There's a lot of truth out there, and I don't know it, and so therefore I'm not free from it, from, from the ignorance that I have. Knowing the truth will set you free. Let's pray for a second. Father, I thank you for your amazing people and the privilege that I get to be their pastor and lead them and, and serve them. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would do what you wanted to do in us from the moment we accepted you as Savior. Lord, I pray that you would break the lies that have held us in bondage, that have held us in, um, in fear and worry and anxiety. God, that from this series, Lord, we will have such a revelation of your truth that, Lord God, lies will no longer be able to control. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name against the plan of the enemy to destroy another life in our church. And there will not be another marriage loss. There will not be another uh, uh, molestation happen, Lord God. I thank you, Lord. There will not be uh, lies of I'm going to die with cancer. I, Lord, we thank you, Lord. Truth will come through this series. Uh, liberation will happen for all of us. We call it as so in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. See, I don't know about you. I don't want to just go to church. Are you with me? I don't want to just hear good messages. I don't want to just sing good songs. I don't want to just do my little deal for the weekend and you know, feel good about myself. My kids go back there, and then when service is over, they get a little bit of ice cream, and they say, oh, Daddy, you're the best. Thanks for taking me to church. I want to be a part of something that Jesus intended. And in Mark chapter 16, I was actually preaching on this a couple nights ago. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus lays out what it is to really be a Christian. He says in Mark chapter 16, he says, and these signs shall follow those who believe. I'm a believer. Are you a believer? So these signs should follow you and I. In my name, they'll cast out devils. In my name, they'll, he'll lay hands on sick people and they'll get hell. They'll pray in other tongues. He, said, he goes through all this whole little thing. If, they, if a snake bites them, it won't kill them. If they drink poison, it won't kill them. 
I, I want that kind of Christianity. I don't want to just like go through the motions. You know what I'm talking about? I want to be like Jesus. I want to do what Jesus did. And I know that's what your heart is too. That's why you're attracted to church on the hill. But I believe what stands in some of the way of us being who God wants us to be is the fact that we've received and we have cultivated lies that no longer should we have power to control our destiny? Are you with me? Say yes. So with that being said, go back to our key verse. It says in John 8, 32, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So friend, even though we're Christians, even though you may have the power of God flowing through you, there are still some lies and some unbelief things that have attached to us that we've allowed to be cultivated, that we've received. And only by knowing the truth can we be free. And I don't know about you, but I want to walk in freedom. I don't want to live in insecurity. I don't want to live in doubt. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live in frustration. Are you with me? Say yes. I want my marriage to be strong. I want my kids to love Jesus. Come on now. And so anything that gets in the way of that, any lie, any disruption, any falsehood, I want it out so that the truth can live and abide in me because what you believe dictates what you do. Say it again. What you believe dictates what you do. And that's why we're motivated. It's motivated by belief. So with that being said, this passage here in John chapter 8 is a really cool passage. And what I, what I struggle about when I watch people on Christian television and podcasts and all, they'll take some obscure verse and throw it into some kind of direction that it was never meant for. And the reason why is because they don't do well with their word and go back and actually get the context in which it was in. So before I just pull this out, even though this is our key scripture, I want to kind of give you the context. So in the beginning of the book of John chapter 8, what transpires is Jesus, it says that he goes up to the Mount of Olives. He ends up in the synagogue in that area. He's ministering and stuff, and the people are kind of gathered around him. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they bring a woman to him caught in adultery. So the picture is there, he's kind of standing out there, kind of ministering and talking to probably hundreds of people, and they're listening to the great teacher and the potential Messiah. They're still not sure if they believe in him. And all of a sudden, those who can't stand him, the Pharisees, Sadducees, or if you will, the, the teachers of the law, they come running up and push through the crowd and throw a woman. And I picture she's, she's, she's been caught in the act of adultery. I don't even think she's got her, her clothes back on. She's probably barely clothed, if anything, probably a sheet wrapped around her or something like that. They throw her at his feet, and they say, this woman's been caught in adultery. My question always is, where's the dude? Because it takes two to be an adult. Anyway, so they throw the woman caught in adultery. Moses said, we're to stone her. What do you say, rabbi? The Bible says that Jesus just kind of bends down. He starts writing in the dirt. I love like the one preacher said, he just starts writing their names probably or something. He just starts writing in the dirt. And after a moment, he kind of looks up at him. He goes, you without sin cast the first stone. Those of you that have no sin in your life, you, you have a right. Go ahead and throw the stone at her. And it's one of these like wop, 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 wop moments, right? And they're all like. And so the word of God says that the teachers of the law, they kind of start bagging out. And the crowd's kind of standing around like, what's going to happen here? And it's this awkward moment. And Jesus still just doodling in the dirt. And all of a sudden he looks up. They've all left. All the accusers of the brethren have left, the cistern. He looks at the woman and he says, where are your accusers? And she goes, they're, they're all left. There's no one here left to accuse me. He goes, well, then neither do I. Go and sin no more. The next verse then says, sometime later, he's teaching again. So the, the context is that it's probably a couple days later. Whatever the case may be, he's teaching the people are really receiving. And here come these Pharisees and teachers of the law again. Well, guess what they're still feeling? They're still feeling the sting of you without sin. 
They're still feeling that. So, man, you know, you know what happens when you get kind of caught on the carpet? You wait for your moment, right? You, it, it just festers, you know. You're sitting in the shower. Oh, next time I see them, I'm going to tell them one thing right now. I, should, I can't believe I didn't say that. And so they, they, they've been waiting, man. And they walk up, and they stand in there and stuff. And Jesus is teaching. And then Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And they're like, hold up. Time out. Are you trying to say you're the Messiah? And they get into this debate. And they're debating Jesus. So the crowd's kind of watching them and watching Jesus back and forth. It's like, you know, like a tennis match, you know, kind of thing. And so Jesus is referring to the, he's talking to the crowd. And he kind of hits these guys at the same time. And he gets into this whole discussion. And he moves the whole discussion into the fact that not only is he the light of the world, but the reason why you don't recognize me and you don't know me, because you don't know my father. You don't know my father. If you knew my father, you say you're believers. You say you follow, follow Father God. But there's no way because if you, knew, if you knew him, then you would know me because I'm only doing what he told me to do. I'm only here being what he asked me to be. I am the son of the father. And since you don't recognize me, you obviously don't know him. And then if you'll jump down in verse 29, actually verse 30 of John chapter 8, it says, and even as he spoke, so as he's having this interaction, he's speaking to the crowd, it says, many put their faith in him. So verse 31, to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So that's where the context of our key scripture comes from. It's in that context. So it's in this debate back and forth. There's this frustration happening. He turns to the ones who are really believing. He can see it. They're believing. They're putting their faith in him. He goes, listen to me. Hold to what I'm teaching you. Hold on to what I'm teaching you. Because you're my disciples if you hold to what I'm teaching you. In other words, people who call themselves Christians but don't follow what Christ teaches is not his disciple. That's why I can tell people all the time, yeah, I'm sorry, you're not a Christian. I am. I said a prayer. I got a cross. Yeah, that's great. So does Satan. And that has nothing to do with nothing. You obey his teachings, proving that you're his disciple. And, he, and then Jesus says, and so listen to me, guys. Not only that, listen to me. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The reason why he's telling them that is why? Because all throughout this encounter and what they're going to have in days to come is nothing more than attacks against truth to try to fill them with lies. And Jesus understands the concept that I'm trying to teach you today, and that is whatever you believe will dictate what you do. And so he's looking at them saying, only believe, stay believing. Know the truth. Hold on to knowing what you see, what you feel right now. That's the truth. Hold on to it. Know that. And then if you'll continue on, as it continues on back and forth in this whole back and forth and hold on to my teachings and all this kind of stuff, then all of a sudden, dropping down in verse 43, this is a fun one to read. And so the other group of the crowd's not really getting it. In fact, they're becoming hostile. They want to kill him. They get really fired up. And they're, they're literally planning on killing him. And he, verse 43, he says, why is my language not clear to you? Why are you not understanding? Why is my language not clear? I'm not speaking uh, a different language. Why can you not hear me? And then he answers his own question. Because you are unable to hear what I say. And then he explains why they're unable. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So here's the thing you got to understand. Jesus begins to qualify what you and I miss a lot of times, and that is this. Satan has no power over you or me. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. If we've called upon the name of the Lord, he stamped us with his DNA. Come on, somebody. We are his sons and daughters. 
But the reason why we still have difficulty, sin habits, come on, stay with me. The reason why we still have anxiety and worry and doubt and unbelief and, and, and strongholds that we need freedom from, it's because along the way, we've let the father of lies deceive us. He cannot control us, but what he can do is deceive us. And when you and I buy into that lie, we now become controlled by that lie. And so Jesus is saying, he's the father of lies. Listen to me, guys. He's the father of lies. You're believing the father of lies. Now, I want to qualify something, and Pastor Tom really brought this out too. He's the, Jesus is not qualifying Satan's gender, that he's male or female. That's not what he's talking about. He's not calling him the father of lies. You know he's a, he's a male, right? He's the father. That's not what he's doing. He's not qualifying his gender. He's qualifying his operation. And let me explain that to you. See, fathers do not give birth. I'm talking biologically now and not sensually, so just stay with me, please. Fathers don't, uh, they don't birth. What they do is they issue seed. They issue seed. So what he's saying is Satan is the issuer of seed. But his point that he's making is if you don't receive the seed, then that lie That control has no power in you. But the reason why you are like your father who issued seeds of lies is because you've received them. Biological, not sensual. And we know when someone has has received seed because it starts germinating inside of them. And after some time, they begin to show. That's why people around you are saying, man, why are you always so angry? You're like, I'm not angry. You can't see that you're already showing because you've been germinating that lie for so long. That's why you have conflict at work and they say, man, you're like, well, I don't know why I don't get promoted. And when you do your review, everybody complains about you. You're hard to work with. You don't see it. Why? Because you're blinded to the fact that you received a lie somewhere in your life and you struggle to work with other people, but everyone around you sees it. Because it's germinated inside of you. And even though we're Christians and even though we love God, even though even we're full with the spirit of the living God, that lies have been germinating inside of some of us and all of us, if you will, to the place that God's got to set us free. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We have to be, some of you still believe that you're going to die of cancer. Some of you have this thing in the back of your mind that you're going to end up in a nursing home for the last 30 years of your life. There are lies that you've held on to that you cannot pray for people and get them healed, that God doesn't really love you. These are lies that have germinated inside of you because you received. You received the lie. He cannot force a lie on you, but when you and I receive it. And he qualifies something when he says he's been a murderer from the beginning. What is he talking about? Satan's been a murderer from the beginning. We're going all the way back to what Jesus is referencing. And he's referencing Genesis chapter 3. Stay with me. Verse 2. The woman said to the serpent. Genesis. Creation. Adam and Eve. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you, if you do, excuse me, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse 4, you will surely not die. Look what it says. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open <laughs> and you will be like God knowing good from evil. 
He's propagating seed. Had Adam and Eve went, what? Get out of here, you stupid liar. God didn't say that because we're already in his image. I don't need to know good from evil. I know God. I'm his son. I'm his daughter. But instead, when he propagated that lie, they went, "Mm, we can have something more than what we have now. Because I'm not satisfied. I didn't know I wasn't satisfied until I got on Facebook and realized how satisfied you were. I thought my husband was nice. I thought my life was good. And so Jesus, back to John chapter 8, he's qualifying this thing like he's been doing this from the beginning. He murdered humanity. You understand, from the garden we would have lived forever. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to learn how to fly high. We would have been that. But instead, when Adam and Eve received the lie, come on now, it propagated, and what did it do? It killed them. There are lies that are killing you, and you don't even know it. They're killing you, and you don't even know it. You think you're fine. You're coming to church. Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And you have these breakdowns of life that's supposed to be happening to you. You're supposed to be healing the sick, raising the dead, walking in victory, living a full life, wonderful relationship with your spouse, wonderful relationship with your kids. It should be magnificent. Why is it not happening? God's not broken. You and I have received and are impregnated with things that we're not supposed to be receiving and be impregnated with. And they're keeping us. You ever seen a pregnant woman try to run? <laughs> I mean, you have hindered your walk with Christ. Because you've received some lies. And so here's how I would illustrate it today. So, so what you don't understand is because when you were in junior high and they called you fat, what happened was that space in your life, in your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, it began to be filled with a lie. You're fat, you're worthless, you're not going to amount to anything. So here you are now in your 40s starving yourself because of what some kids said back in the day when you were in junior high. And what happens is those lies fall all over the place is what they do. (laughs) Those lies now take up the space where God's truth would like to abide. But that place can't... So so I'm preaching, and I'm telling you, you're the righteousness in Christ, and you're like, (laughs) nope. I'm telling you, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, (laughs) and I can't overcome this. Why? Because that space is filled with a lie. So I'm trying to tell you, no, you're God's elect. You're God's son. You're God's daughter. You don't have to surrender to same-sex attraction. You don't have to surrender to cheating on your spouse. You don't have to surrender to be in poverty. You don't have to, "Mm, I like to believe that, but there's no room to fit that in my belief system because that's already been filled with these lies. I was born this way. There's nothing I can do about it. I didn't get an education like, I, like everybody else did because I had to work to support my mom and dad or my mom, my single mom. You got this space filled with these lies and as a result, no matter what I say or your spouse says or Jesus Christ himself says, he says, why can't you hear me? You can't hear me because you're already filled up with lies from the father of lies, the propagator of lies. You've received it. It's germinated. It's come full term. And as a result, no matter what I'm saying, you're not getting it. Have you ever, have you ever looked at someone and know that God is trying to break through to them to, to, to them to give their heart to Christ. And they're just like, like they can't see it. Like, are you crazy? Like, you need God. Your life is miserable. 
I'll never forget it. I was out witnessing one time. And uh, it was right after, forgive me for being from the 80s, it was right after Jimmy Swaggart had been exposed for some adulterous thing. And, and so the whole city that we were in, we're up in arms. If he's a fake, we're all fakes. Christianity's not real. We're out handing food to homeless people. And I'll never forget, I walked to this homeless man, and he, he was so grateful. I said, man, I just wanted to bring you something. I just, just, he goes, oh, man, why are you doing this? I said, man, we just love you, bro. Just, just want to love you. I said, man, Jesus did something in my life. And I want him to do it in your life. And, and I just want you to know he loves you. And he threw the sandwich back in my face. He said, you're all hypocrites. If Jimmy Swagger's a hypocrite, you're a hypocrite. Everybody's a hypocrite. I'm like, how stupid can you be? Take the sandwich. Who cares? You're starving. He's going to throw the sandwich back at me. Why? Because of lies. See, they, the space could not receive love. Some of you can't receive love because it's so, it's, you've been so lied to. And you've propagated so much that I, I'm not lovable or I don't deserve it. Or it's only going to end in failure anyway because the last guy didn't love me right or the last girl did me dirty. So there's no space to really put love in you and the truth of who God is in you because you filled it up with the rejection. You filled it up with the, the lie that you know, you'll never amount to anything, that you're unlovable or everyone's going to hurt you. They're all dogs, things like that. And so we can't get past it until we pull out those lies. That's what this series is going to be about. Lord, pull out the lies in all of us. Uproot them. Pour them out so that you can fill us with your truth. Are you there with me? Say yes. So with that being said, let me give you a couple powers that lies have. The power of a lie. Just so you can understand the power that the lie is doing in your life. First and foremost, lies will steal your potential. They'll steal your potential. Some of you are still standing around waiting on somebody to do something. That lie has stolen your potential. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, love folks. Listen, I have met just about most of you, shake your hand, looked you in the eye, and there's not a person in this room that can't be, that, that can't be uh, a person who, who Jesus uses to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Right. I've looked in all of your eyes. You love God. You say, well, I'm not perfect. <laughs> Neither is the guy preaching or anybody else in this building. He's perfect. He alone is perfect. He's the only one sinless enough to die on the cross and be able to resurrect from the dead and, and stand in, 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 uh, in between us and the Father. And be the way. We're all just imperfect folks. But I'm telling you, that lie has gotten in there. And you don't, I can't do anything for God. Every one of you should be small group leaders. Every one of you got something to share, something to give, something, so, the, the space to love others and help them get stronger. You just don't believe it. And because that unbelief is in there, here you are losing the potential that God has for, to do great things in your life. I'm telling you, I've looked at all of you. There's not any of you that go, mm, not her, man. She's, mm-hmm. Mm, not him, bro. He can't ever be a real Christian dude. He's messed up. There's none of you guys like that. God has a plan. But when the lies permeate the space, it literally steals your potential. I spent some time years ago in Sri Lanka, which was just off the coast of India. And uh, this area that I was in uh, had lots and lots of giant elephants. And um, in fact, one, one day in the major city there in Sri Lanka, they did this parade and they marched all these elephants through. And, and I was dumbfounded because you got, I don't know if you've seen Sri Lankan men, but I love going to Sri Lanka because I'm a giant in Sri Lanka. I just want to point that out. I'm like, how you doing, man? How you doing? But these little guys, they're all about 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, about a buck oh five. I mean, they're like 105 pounds. I mean, they're little bitty fellas, right? It's because, you know, they, anyway. And so, and so they, and they got these elephants. And they're walking these elephants through the street. And they got a little rope around their foot. A little rope around an elephant. And they got a little stick. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the elephant's like, okay. 
If you've ever been next to a real uh, elephant, um, they're the size of a bus. I mean, they're huge. I mean, they are the largest uh, land mammal on the planet. I mean, and I'm watching them. I'm just thinking, how in the world? All that, if that elephant sits down accidentally, you're dead, dude. Like, I mean, you're gone. I mean, he turns his trunk and throws you against the wall, and you've got to have, you know, spine surgery. I mean, this is animals. If you've never gotten really close to an elephant or ridden an elephant, I've gotten to ride them and play with them and stuff like that. Is, it is, you realize I am minute. And these little guys, hi, 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 and the elephant's like, okay, do whatever you say. And so I started asking them, how does this happen? How did you get this elephant to do that? And they began to explain to me. From the time they're born, they take a little rope and they tie it around one particular leg. And then they stake that down. And so when they're little, they, don't, they, they can't break away from that little rope. And so they'll go to run to their mom and they can't. And they'll back up and they'll run to their mom and they can't. And they do that year after year after year. And within just a matter of weeks from the time they're babies, they stop pulling against the rope. They've been trained now that they are not stronger than the rope. But over years, they grow into these massive creatures that can not only break the rope but destroy anything in their path. But for years, they believed a lie that I'm limited to the rope that's around my foot. And they never take the rope off. They'll increase it a little bit as their feet get bigger and things like that. But the same smell, the same look, the same rope from when they were a baby. And some of you are carrying the same limitations from the time you were a child, from the time you were in junior high and high school and right out of college or whatever you did. And you got these limitations. And the reason why is because you bought into a lot. I can't do it. I can't do it. Some of you prayed with somebody 20 years ago. They didn't get healed. I can't do it. I can't. I'm a loser. I can't do it. And you got the little rope. That's as far as you can go. Oh, I can't be faithful to a marriage. So I can't, I can't do it. That's as far as I can go. And you've limited yourself because you've received a lie. You've received it. The propagator of lies, the father of lies has seeded you. You ought to be ticked off about that. Like, don't seed me. I'll seed you upside your head. Has seeded you and you've received it. It's what Adam and Eve did and destroyed humanity because they received the lie. Here's the second power of a lie and that is it'll cause you to hurt others. It'll cause you to hurt others. It will. Because that insecurity, that fear, that whatever lie you bought into, you now then propagate that down to your own children. You, 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 you end up hurting others because of your fear of what happened to you. And these, what lies do is they cause you to hurt other people. You limit your family's dynamic. You limit the ability to move forward in people's lives. And people are limited because of you, because you're their leader, because you're their whatever. And you, you hurt other people. Hurt people hurt people. Now, you got to understand, I, I spent my teenage years in the 80s. So I really like the 80s. And in the 80s, they made some of the best movies ever. And there is a movie that the whole time I've been preparing for this message for a couple weeks, I couldn't get it out of my mind. This scene from the greatest movie of all time, Princess Bride. And so... I don't know if it's spiritual, but it surely makes the point. Would you play them this clip from Princess Bride? Make sure the volume's up, too. I want them to be able to hear it. Go ahead and watch this. But that's not what he said. He distinctly said, to blave. And as we all know, to blave means to bluff. Huh? So you're probably playing cards, and he cheated. Liar! 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 Get back, witch! I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. But after what you just said, I'm not even sure I want to be dead anymore. You never had it so good. To love. He said to love, Max. Don't say My another God. word, Valerie. He's afraid. Ever since Prince Humperdinck fired him, his confidence is shattered. Why'd you say that name? You promised me that you would never say that name. 
Shut up, witch. I'm not a witch. I'm your wife. I, I just love, I love that whole scene. And again, in the movie, again, you know, I, I, I understand it's not, you know, spiritual. But in the movie, the whole point is, is that someone else has told him he's a loser. Someone's fired him. And as a result of him being hurt, he refuses to help somebody else, which thereby is hurting them. And so she has to yell out, liar! And she tells him. He's only doing this because Prince Humperdinck has destroyed his confidence by firing him because he's really insecure about him. And so he fired him, which then causes him not to want to help you. And the thing goes on and on and on and on. We keep hurting each other. Friend, can I tell you something? It's not your job to fix every Christian who isn't acting right. It's not your job or my job to carry the burden of what only Jesus can do in people's lives. Stop hurting each other. Stop hurting your family. Just do your best to serve Jesus, and we got to recognize that there's a lie pushing us to do some of the things we're doing. Here's the third and final thing that a lie does, or the power of a lie, and that is it keeps you from really knowing God. It keeps you from really knowing God. And so Jesus qualifies that, and again, John chapter 8, when he says, why can't, why can't you understand what I'm saying? I tell you why you can't understand what I'm saying, because you're listening to a different father. You don't know God. Because if you knew God, you would know me. And can I just tell you something? Your image of who Christ is can be very wrong based on lies that you've received. Based on lies that you've received, that you've taken in. I can't tell you how much in counseling we deal with. That's not true. That's not who Jesus is. Jesus didn't kill your baby because he needed another angel in heaven. That's not Jesus. In fact, Jesus talks about this conflict on the day of judgment. He says, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out devils? Didn't I go to church on the hill? Lord, I was there every Sunday. I served in the kids' ministry. I got a latte, and then I would sit there and pass it out. He's the greatest preacher ever. Anyway, and so, you know, saying all that, and then he says, I'm going to say to them plainly, I never knew you. Why? Because that word to know actually means intimacy. Well, intimacy can only be acquired when we're honest and truthful with each other. And so some of the lies that you've received are keeping you from really knowing Christ and who he is. So you have a, a skewed image of who he is. You've got a dead religious image of who he is. You've got a, a, you got a I've got to perform for him to like me and to love me image. Uh, you've, got, you've got images that are not who he is and you don't really know him. And lies cause you not to really know him. And friend, when you really know him, you'll recognize a couple of truths. I am the sinner of Jesus. I am the son of the living God, the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Yes, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Yes, I mess up all the time, but he forgives me. He keeps me. And like I've been trying to teach you guys, my kids, I make them all the time. I, I walk in the room and say, oh, I love you. And why do I love you? And they've learned to say, because we're yours. That's right. Not because you got A's or got B's. Not because you did your homework and didn't do your homework. I love you because you're mine, because your last name is McCain. And when God looks at us, he loves us, not because we're good, bad, or ugly, because our last name is Christ. Because 
because we are Christians, because we are his sons and daughters. We've been stamped with his DNA. It's flowing through us. He doesn't love you because you did enough penance or not enough penance. He doesn't love you because you did right and not did bad. He disciplines us when we're wrong. He disciplines us when we sin because he's a good father. But at the end of the day, we're his sons and his daughters. And until you get that right image, you're still holding on to a lie that's propagating that I've got to work for his love. I've got to prove that, I, that I'm a good person. I've got to keep doing these things. And all of that has led you to nothing more than stress, dead religion, and it's caused you to want to walk away from God because none of you can be good enough. You can't do it. That's why people like, I, could, I don't want to be a Christian no more. I wouldn't want to be a Christian either if I, was, if I had the image of Christ that you have. You hold on to so many lies. They propagated you've received so many lies that you can't believe that he could love you because, you're not, because you were wrong. That's your image of what love is. Not, it's not his image of what love is. But a lie has told you that I will only love if I receive love first. Christ doesn't need that. He can love you without any kind of reception of love back. That's who he is. Then when we respond in love, oh, supernatural thing that happens inside of us. Jesus, to close out, said it like this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Say it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I meet so many people who want to have multiple ways to heaven. Well, don't think the Muslims, don't you think this guy over here is a good guy? Those are all good people. I like them. They're nice guys. But they're not coming to the Father because Jesus is the way, the truth. So I don't believe that. And that's your problem. That's your problem. You don't believe it. Why? Because you've been filled up with something else. So you can't hear or see truth. So imagine a person who's operating from a broken sense of truth. So the person who molests children... They're operating from a lie that they think is true. That they were made to do that. That heaven's okay with that. Even if humanity doesn't understand. Don't you understand? That's the breakdown. So the question is, how many lies have you and I allowed to propagate inside of us? Friend, I want you to know something. Until you and I are healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, being what he said we could be, we've probably got some lies propagating keeping us from our full potential, not allowing us to understand the fullness of who God is. I tell you, it's time that that starts changing. And I don't know about you, but I'm, in, I'm all in with Christ, and I want him to remove whatever lie, whatever deception, and I want to see him only the way he's meant to be seen. Would you stand with me all across the room today? I hope that this has challenged you a little bit. There's a couple of moments left here that I want to minister to you. So would you stand quickly, bow your head and close your eyes right where you're at. I get you to do that. Not because we have little elves run around and take things out of your purse, but simply, simply so that you can have a moment of concentration. Just a moment of concentration. Some of our leaders have to go to their post to serve you at the end of service, so don't be distracted by them. But what I want you to do is, I want you to stand there with your head bowed and your eye closed, and I want you to ask the Lord for a couple things. I want you to start right now, under your breath, out loud, whatever you're more comfortable with doesn't, doesn't really matter to me. But I want you to pray this prayer to the Lord. I want you to ask him, say, Jesus, reveal to me any and all lies that I've received. Would you pray that prayer? Would you be bold enough to pray that? Come on, I don't want you to lose your, your destiny. I don't want you to be sidetracked. I don't want you to not know who Christ is. I don't want you to hurt other people. So I want you right now, right where you stand, ask the Lord, say, Lord, reveal to me any and all lies that I have received that I've allowed to propagate in my life. I didn't even know it, Lord. 
I didn't know it. I was ignorant of the time that that could be a lie. Would you just do that right where you stand? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that each and every one of us would have revelation right now. Rhema, reveal to us that which is not you. That which has motivated us unknowingly. That which has driven us and we didn't even realize it. That which has filled up the space and kept us from having faith and truth were revealed up with a half-truth, a lie. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, reveal right now, right now. Reveal that that insecurity is the result of a lie. But reveal what that lie was. Bring them back to the moment that it started propagating and they received it. Lord, reveal that truth. Lord, show them the lie that they accepted and when they received it, that they were going to die early at a young age. Show them, Lord God, when they started believing that. Lord, show them the lie that that they're always going to be scratching out a living and never actually feel successful. Show them, Lord. Show, show them the lie that they received that they were stupid and never going to mount anything. Show them when that came forward, Lord. God, I pray that you begin to reveal to us so that we may act accordingly. And here's the next prayer I want you to pray, and that is I want you to declare right where you stand that I want to walk in your truth, Jesus. Would you just declare that right? I want to walk in your truth, Jesus. Whatever it is. Not what the preacher says. Not what some dude at work says. What you say, Jesus. What you say, Lord. I want to walk in the truth of what you say. I want to know it. Reveal truth to me, Lord. See, it's one thing to expose a lie, but it's another thing to fill it up with the right stuff, right? So, Lord, show me the truth. Show me the truth. That I may act accordingly. I know what to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Daddy. I can sense the Lord just dealing with us and helping us. I'm telling you, this is going to be a time of freedom. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I promise you, this year is going to be a crazy turnaround year. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about practically in your heart, in your mind, in your spirit. Things are about to turn around. You're going to start hearing His voice. You start being what He called you to be. You're going to start seeing. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to pray for people at Walmart, and they're going to get healed. It's going to blow your mind. You're going to soar above all the junk that has held you down because of the lie that you had received. Thank you, Father. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just always want to take a moment here today and every Sunday. If you're away from God, the truth is, man, I've, I've got to be honest, I, I'm not a Christian. If I die today, I'm not going to heaven. I can tell you that right now. If that's you, listen, i got good news. God's not mad at you. You're, you're here. So something in your heart longs to be back in relationship with Jesus because you're here. You didn't show up at a church not knowing what it was. You didn't show, oh my God, I thought this was a rock concert. You came here because something, someone has been wooing you to God. You know who it was? It was Him. It's His Holy Spirit wooing you back, drawing you back in. Maybe you've never been a Christian, didn't really get it, didn't really understand it. Some of the Christians you've met, they're being pretty good people. Somebody maybe asked you to come and hang out with them today at their church. But maybe while you've been sitting here, you recognize this Jesus is God. He's the Lord. And I want, I want him in my life. Maybe you're asking, well, Pastor, what do I do now? Well, the Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. See how the power of this believing? Believe in your heart. Fill that space that's been full of doubt and unbelief and what the professor said, that there is no God in your psychology class. What your stepdad did 
dirty and called it Christianity and you said, that can't be Christianity. I don't want it then. Take those lies and remove them and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, and he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I, listen, I want this is a very private, private decision, deep and private. It's going to affect everything you do from this point forward. So I want you to consider the decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. I'd like to be able to pray with you. I don't want to call you forward. I don't want to point you out. I don't want everybody going, running up to you and saying, oh, that was good. You finally got right with God. None of that. I want you to have a private moment right here, right now, making Jesus the Lord of your life. I want to pray with you about it, though. So no one's looking around. Just me, you, and Jesus. If that's what you're deciding now, I want to be a Christian. I want to come back to God, Pastor Adam. Pray for me. If that's you, in any one of those two scenarios, throw your hand up right now so I know who that is. I want to pray with you. Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, sir. Anybody? Thank you, sir. God bless you, sir. Anybody? Thank you. God bless you for your honesty. Give you about two, three more seconds. I'm going to move on. No one's looking. Just me, you, and Jesus. Anybody else? Okay. 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 Thank you. God bless you. Put your hand down. Anyone else? Thank you for your honesty. Look at truth. Destroying lies. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm going to get everyone in the audience to pray it out loud so that you recognize you're not by yourself. And those of you that lifted your hand or wanted to lift your hand and just got a little insecure about it, I want you to mean this prayer with all of your heart. And he's faithful and just to forgive you. Say it like this. Say, Jesus. No, out loud. Say, Jesus, today I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for the way I've lived, for the way I've acted. But today I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I accept what you did the cross for me. And in front of the world, I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every man and woman who lifted their hand, who called upon you. Lord God, who prayed out to you and saying, God, I want you to be mine. I want to be yours. Forgive me, Lord. Every one of them. Lord, I pray right now they would know and they would know that they know that they know that they know. You have forgiven them. That they're yours. Let them feel your arms around them. I know that's spiritual, Lord, but let them feel that spiritual embrace. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding begin to guard their heart and their mind. May they just feel peace. They don't have to perform. They don't have to give money to the church. They're yours. And when they walk out of this place today, may they hold their shoulders back and their head up a little higher. You know what? I may not be perfect, but I belong to him. I'm a son. I'm a daughter now. And Father, I pray, Lord God, when the lies come tonight, Later in the day, oh, you didn't mean it. See what you did? You cursed her again. See, you can't be one. That they'd be able to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. I understand what the pastor said. I'm God's. He's going to work on me. He's going to teach me. He's going to train me. But I belong to him, so shut up, lies. Father, I thank you for that. Let the peace of God right now fall on them in a fresh new way. In Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted amen and amen.